Hey, uh, my heart is full of the idea of the goodness of God, and, uh, and I can't stop talking about it, so I'm going to talk about it some more today. Uh, we're, we, we, we started this year with a plan that uh, 30 years as a church, and we would start to celebrate some of that by having 30 days of uh, through, uh, through the months of the year. So this is 30 days of invitation because we're pointing uh, everyone towards Easter and the great opportunity that Easter gives us. But uh, I can't shake the goodness of God off of my soul right now, so I'm just going to keep talking about it. So uh, message six, and who knows how far we'll go. Uh, we'll just keep inviting, and it'll be the month of invitation, but I want to talk about God's goodness a little bit more today. And so I want you to look at one of the passages that has really made a difference for me as I've meditated, uh, thought about this, and prayed. Psalm 31, verse 19. By the way, while I am uh, starting this message off, uh, we made a few more of these Lean Into the Goodness of God bracelets, and our ushers are going to hand those out to you right now. If you've already got one, uh, then you don't need another one. And, uh, and, well, let me put it another way. Uh, we want everybody to have a chance to have one. So if, if uh, you haven't gotten one yet, uh, please help yourself. And it's just a good thing to remind yourself in the tough moments that uh, God is a good God, and I need to lean into that. So, uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll have a few left over, and then if you want an extra, you can get it later. Psalm 31, verse 19 says this, how great is the goodness you've stored up for those who fear you. Uh, you lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. And uh, just a reminder to you that there is a massive goodness stored up in the heart of God for you and for me. Uh, God is not ever running out of his goodness. God is not ever running out of his capacity to bring good things into your world. And uh, I just want to tell you there's more goodness coming. And you haven't worn it all out. And I like to talk about this idea because I think it, it is, uh, people lose sight of it. I like songs that are songs like, Jesus, I love you, I worship you, and I don't want anything from you. And I understand somewhat the motivation behind that, but I also know that God is exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything we could ask or think. And so it's not like, you know, I get tired sometimes people asking me for stuff. You probably get tired of people asking you for stuff because I have limits, right? But, uh, but God has no limits whatsoever. So it doesn't like wear him out to take care of you. It's not, like, it's not like he's like, oh my gosh, I'm about ready to run out of good things for, for you. So, um, so I love this word in the original language, and uh, it could be translated a bunch of different ways. And one of the reasons I like to talk about this kind of stuff is I just want to keep us remembering how great our God really is. And the Bible says that he is good and he does good. And so this is the, how much or how great is the goodness that God has stored up for us. So that word great could be translated uh, abound or abounding or abundant or abundance or abundantly. That's how much goodness is stored up for you. 
broad goodness, enough goodness, far enough goodness, full goodness, great goodness, a great deal of goodness, greater goodness, greatly goodness, increased goodness, large goodness. I'll take a large, please. Larger goodness, long goodness, many goodness, many things, many times, mighty, more, much, multitude, numerous, plentiful goodness, plenty goodness, powerful goodness, prevalent goodness. That's the kind of goodness that's stored up for you and for me in the Lord. So don't think you've ever uh, exhausted any, any of the mercy or the kindness or the goodness of God uh, because, because he's got more than you could ever even think about exhausting. And uh, this, the, the idea behind this, uh, how great is the goodness that you stored up, literally is the idea that, um, that it is concealed or kept secret. Uh, the goodness of God. Proverbs 25.2 says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. And let me just say, uh, you don't often find God on the surface. Uh, you have to dig out some of what God is all about. And so if it's just a casual inquirer, uh, they're going to have difficulty walking in the goodness of God all the days of their life. But if you have somebody who's willing to search it out, to realize that it's not just on the surface, that I can't just judge everything by what's happening on the surface, but I got to dig a little deeper and find the goodness that's been concealed for me. And, and the reason I want to uh, uh, go after this today is because I want to talk about the pain and the promise. Uh, I want to I talk about embracing the mystery that God is good and never runs out of goodness, but that life can be hard. And hard things can happen and hurtful things can happen, but, everybody say but, Come on, we're glad God has a big but, right? But his goodness will always prevail. Come on, your best days are not behind you. Your best days are in front of you. If you're still alive, if you're still breathing, if you're still living, you got to keep reminding yourself there's still lots of God's goodness in store for you and your future. Your life is in front of you, not behind you. Whatever's happened has happened. It's time to move on. So Psalm 31 is, is an interesting passage of Scripture because it's found in a season of time where David is experiencing his very own son, Absalom, rebelling against him. And the beauty of understanding the, the context and the, uh, the events that are surrounding these words being written help us to understand some powerful things. Absalom was David's son. Absalom was an incredibly good-looking, uh, gifted young man that, uh, that was David's son. But Absalom got a quirky little thing in him that, uh, that started him down a path that brought a lot of heartache 
to his dad. And so uh, I want us to look at this for a moment because I just want us to get the picture of what David is dealing with uh, when he's writing Psalm 31. 2 Samuel 15, and this is a little description of Absalom, verse 1, it came about that after this Absalom provided for himself a chariot and horses and 50 men as runners before him. Absalom used to rise early, stand beside the way to the gate, and when any man had a suit to come to the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, from what city are you? And he would say, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, see, your claims are good and right, but no man listens to you on the part of the king. Moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that one would appoint me judge in the land, then every man who has any suit or justice could come to me and I would give him justice. And when a man came near to prostrate himself before him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. And in this manner, Absalom dealt with all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole away the hearts of the men of Israel. That's an interesting uh, piece of human relationship and interaction because uh, it plays out not just in the Old Testament, it plays out uh, every day, every week, every month in churches and in business and in personal relationships. Here is Absalom without actually having the actual real weight of leadership on him, uh, which puts you in a whole different place than when you don't have the whole weight of leadership on you. When you're just, uh, I've had guys that were on team here and they said, I had no idea what it was like to be the guy uh, because I thought different about things when I was on the team. But Absalom would stand at the gate and he would promise stuff. If I was your king, then this is how things would happen. And uh, I think this whole concept is important because while Psalm 27, which we looked at a few weeks ago, is the, the king trying to kill um, King David, King Saul trying to kill King David, that's a distance. This is David's son. And there is a particular unique pain uh, that enters the human heart when someone who's actually close to you, like somebody you let into your heart, somebody you let into your inner circle, uh, a family member who in your, in your thinking, you're thinking, I should be able to trust this person, but when those close-in people betray you, when they betray the position of trust that you've given to them. And I know the reality is uh, everybody experiences this somewhere, somehow in their life. If you haven't experienced it yet, sorry to tell you, the day is coming. But uh, nobody is exempt from this, this thing. When you know, the, the pain of divorce is when, you know, when your spouse 
turns against you. You know, somebody that you promised your, your life to. Uh, when a family member who you feel like you should have been able to trust can't, you know, they betray your confidence, they betray your love. When a coworker that is supposed to be working alongside you and helping you all of a sudden takes the opportunity and turns against you. I hope you're feeling blessed. Thanks for coming to church today. Uh, 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 You know, when your business partner just rips you off, uh, you know, when a friend that you thought who said, I'm going to be your friend forever and ever and ever, and they, they turn on you, they betray you. That, that's exactly what's happening to David. That's exactly the context of Psalm 31. And when that stuff happens to, your, to you, uh, it has a different kind of impact than, than just somebody out there writing a negative review about you on Google, which, by the way, hardly any of you put positive reviews on Google. I'm deeply hurt, so I'm just going to remind you again. Uh, but uh, but it, it's, it's, no, one's, no one's exempt from this. And I know sometimes we, you know, we all go, like when this is happening, we all go, what, what, what did I do to contribute to this? But I just want to say that often it's not you. <laughs> it's, it's the choices that they've made. What I really want to kind of say today is becoming a Christian is not going to deliver you from all the painful experiences of life. But following Jesus and following God's way will give you the tools to process that pain in a way that has you come out on top. And so, so the title of my message today is The Pain and the Promise. And I want to I share a couple of thoughts that I think could be helpful for us. The first thought is this. You, you got to always start processing life from a goodness of God perspective. Amen. Always start processing life from a goodness of God perspective. You're going to start, you're going to start from somewhere. You're, you're going to decide how to handle that pain from some perspective. So here's how the psalm starts. It actually, Psalm 31, verse 0, because uh, this is what's in the Bible. For the choir, choir director, a psalm of David. In you, this is where David starts the journey. In you, O Lord, I've taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me quickly. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and you will guide me. So, amen. David is experiencing heartache. He his son is betraying him. The, the privilege of being the king's son is being used by his son to develop a following for himself. And David is in pain, but he doesn't start 
processing the event from the pain. Uh, I can't now tell you how important I think this is. Processing pain can't just start with the pain. Uh, you, 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 you're going to start off on the wrong foot. You're going to start the song in the wrong key. <laughs> uh, your, your starting point matters. Because all of us are trying to work out the equations of life in our head, in our heart. We're trying to make sense of what's going on. And if your starting point is the pain you've experienced, you're going to not, you're going to reach the wrong decision. You're going to reach the wrong conclusion. And my encouragement to you today is that like David did, he's in pain, but instead of looking at God from your pain, start looking at your pain from the goodness of God. Uh, so, you know, I've said this over the years, instead of praying the problem, pray the promise. That doesn't mean that there isn't a problem, and it doesn't mean that there isn't pain. But where you start, you got to start with the promise. You got to start with, with the, the consistency of the character of God. And you can't start with the problem. The mistake, the mistake a lot of people make is they're trying to figure God out while reasoning from their pain. So. So you'll hear something like this. Well, if God is so good, why did he let this happen? If God is so good, why didn't he stop that from happening? And you either start trying to figure God out from your pain, or you start figuring your pain out from the goodness of God. So, my encouragement is, instead of questioning God's goodness, start with God's goodness. I, I listened to a podcast, uh, uh, I haven't finished it, but I'm in the middle of listening to a podcast, and, and it was interesting to me. I, I really enjoyed listening to this podcast because it's two people who... Uh, were raised in church and uh, raised as Christians and now have chosen to walk away from that. And their, their reasoning for why they walked away from it, I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to listen uh, and not come up with a, an answer uh, before I listen to what they're saying. But one of these people is uh, a young lady who's very, very bright, really, and very talented but her mom passed away when she was eight years old, and her church that she was in prayed for her mom to be healed, and when her mom didn't get healed and passed away and she had cancer and she went uh, to heaven, then uh, she, her little eight-year-old mind couldn't process, well, if we all prayed and we all asked God, well, then why didn't God heal my mom? And so she's trying to figure God out from her pain, 
rather than figuring her pain out from uh, understanding the goodness of God. And the truth is, I'm listening to this, and part of me wants to yell into the podcast, you're letting the reasoning of an eight-year-old child now run your life. Hey, listen, pain is real. Pain happens, but pain is temporary when you understand that we're living for eternity. And the truth is, pain is temporary, amen. (laughs) That's true, but I also want to say pain is temporary even in lifetime because because our pain is temporary, but God's character is eternal. So you don't want to keep making decisions from a temporary situation. You want to be making your decisions from an eternal perspective. I, I, how many people are paying the price for a decision they made out of pain? So they had a tough thing happen in church and they bailed on church, right? Or they had a tough thing in a relationship and now all men are evil. Hello? Or all women are evil. Or everybody is out to get you because you got betrayed. So when you experience this kind of heartache and it, 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 like it pierces your soul the way it happened to David, you better not start from there because you're going you're, you're gonna to pay a price. You're going to shut yourself off from the goodness of God that's stored up for your future. Amen. Amen. I could do altar call right now, but I have more I want to say. (laughs) Second idea is to recognize this. Your spirit is your responsibility. A wounded spirit is not your friend. So Psalm 31, verse 4, David says this, You will pull me out of the net which they secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You've ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. I commit my spirit. To the Lord. This is what Jesus said on the cross, right? Which was a pretty painful experience. Thank you very much. So at the at the joint of your life where pain happens, pain can make you bitter or better, depending on what you let happen in your spirit. Nobody else can make that decision for you. I can't make it for you. Your spouse can't make it for you. Your parents can't make it for you. Nobody can make that. And so when you experience pain, what's happening in your spirit can either make you more empathetic, it can make you more caring, It can make you more understanding, 
Or it can make you bitter. It can make you resentful. It can make you negative. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Your spirit is your responsibility. When you are at a pain point in life, what happens in your spirit is going to make a big difference in the days to come. Proverbs 25, verse 28 says, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So at the point of pain, you've got decisions to make. And the truth is, it's possible to make a poor choice. To, to make a decision built out of some kind of emotional instability. Or pride, or bitterness, or out of a wounded spirit, out of unforgiveness. And it's the kind of thing that, that weakens us and leaves us open and vulnerable for the enemy to come in and cause havoc. If you got control over your own spirit, you got, you got the walls, the walls are up. You're staying intact. You're staying full of faith. You're staying full of love. You're staying full of hope. You're staying full of kindness. That's like being a Christian. Hello, right? And the Bible likens the person who's lost control of their spirit as being like a, a city with the walls fall down. And that makes the city defenseless. It makes it vulnerable to attacks, to little whispers from other bitter people or offended people. I know this isn't an uh, amen message, this is a oh me message. But that's okay, because, because I, want you to, I want you to handle the pain, because it's going to happen from the context of the promise, right? Right? If we don't take care of our own spirit, if we don't rule our own spirit, we're, we're just like a city that the foundations are in bad shape. We're open to every kind of attack that could happen. Daniel 6.3 says this about Daniel. Now, Daniel, you've got to understand the context of Daniel 6. Daniel and his friends have been taken into, Israel's been taken into Babylonian captivity. They're living an oppressed life. Uh, they are, they're, they're, they're not able, I mean, it's, it, it, just to step out on the balcony and pray is, is being greeted with the possibility of being thrown in a furnace of you know, heated up seven times. This, the fact that they won't bow down to the idols that are around them. I mean, he's in a tough, tough situation. And the Bible says David, I mean, Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and the satraps because he possessed an, an extraordinary spirit, right? And the king, because of his extraordinary spirit, here is a, an oppressed man the king was planning to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Why? Because of his spirit. Right? It, it, was, it was that quality that caused Nebuchadnezzar to look at, at Daniel and say, whatever he's got, I want to be around it. 
whatever he's got, I want, I want to put it in charge. I think, I think when somebody gets around us, I hope that's the way they feel. <laughs> whatever you got, I want some of that. You know, and, and there's that indistinguishable kind of, well, how do you put your hand on it? Somebody's spirit. Their, you know, their spirit. David distinguished himself, even though he was in a difficult situation, because he, had, he possessed an extraordinary spirit. And, and the, it set him apart. And the king said, I, I, I think I'm going to set this guy over the whole realm. I know he's one of the slaves, but he's smarter than all the other guys I got. Amen. Come on. Want a promotion? Hello? I think if, if you look after your own spirit, you can rise up above the pain. I said, if you look after your own spirit, you can rise up above the pain. The pain is real. And, it, and you don't get exempted from it because you've given your life to Christ. But if you look after your own spirit, what the enemy intended for your destruction could actually become the thing that catapults you to your future. But if but if you if you if you don't look after your own spirit, you lose your faith, you lose your confidence, you lose your uh, your love, you lose your kindness, you, you lose your gentleness, you lose your strength. If you don't look after your own spirit, you get to choose. And that's what stops us from entering into everything that God has planned for us. He's got great, good things, but you got to keep, got to take care of your spirit. Your spirit is your responsibility. And the last idea I want to share today is this idea, number three, keep choosing joy. Keep choosing joy. One day I'm going to have you convinced that joy is not uh, an extra piece of whipped cream. That the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is not about being fluffy. <laughs> oh, fluffy. So, Psalm 31.6 says, I hate those who regard vain idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice. And be glad in your loving kindness because you've seen my affliction and you've known the troubles of my soul. Nobody knows. <laughs> David, David says, I will, I will, I choose to rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness. 
I may not be able to rejoice in what's going on. I may not be able to rejoice in the pain. But I can rejoice in your loving kindness. I can be glad in your loving kindness. And, and he says, he, sa he says, you have known the troubles of my soul. The troubles of your soul. What is the trouble of your soul? Because I promise you, everybody in this room has some kind of trouble in their soul. And your, your lean might be depression or, or your lean might be self-pity, like feel sorry for yourself or, or jealousy or envy. What's the trouble of your soul? Uh, you know, you can have an angry soul. You can have rejection in your soul. And I just always want to be careful not to judge the trouble of your soul <laughs> from where I'm strong, right? But I'm saying, you wake up in the morning with the trouble that's in your soul, or you go to bed in the evening with the trouble that's in your soul, or you're in the moment where you're alone and you don't have your phone to distract you, and now you've got to think about what's going on in your soul. And, and that's, that's what... That's what David is saying. He's saying, God, you, you know the trouble of my soul. And, and that's why I think it's so important to say, I'm going to choose to have a cheerful heart. The trouble of my soul keeps wanting to drag me down. But i got to make another choice. Be because God's goodness and unfailing love are pursuing me, I can choose a cheerful heart. Because I know I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, I can choose a cheerful heart. Right? Because, yeah. Because God's great, awesome, mighty, powerful, prevalent, prioritized, unbelievably great goodness is stored up for me, I can choose a cheerful heart. And this... Uh, this, this verse in the Passion Translations, Proverbs 15, 15, uh, has this really, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a, an emotional, spiritual workout for me. Everything seems to go wrong when you feel weak and depressed. But when you choose to be cheerful every day will bring you more and more joy and fullness. So you got to make a choice, right? Proverbs 15, 15 in the New Living Translation says, for the despondent every day brings trouble, but for the happy heart 
Life is a continual feast. The condition of your heart, the condition of your spirit, the condition of your soul, you can't ever let it be about your circumstances. And, and we can't ever think, oh, this is kind of a Pollyanna ignoring what's really going on. No, no, let me, let me call you to a higher place for just a moment. This is about recognizing a far greater reality than your present circumstance. About recognizing a far greater reality than your pain. It's recognizing that God has massive goodness stored for you. Amen. I want to pray. I want you to bow your heads, please. And I want you to close your eyes, if you would. Father, I, I'm praying that you will restore our soul. And I, I know that there's pain in every, in every life. Some of it's held for literally decades in our soul. And I'm asking you to, to bring healing to our life and bring healing to our hearts and oh father that we would just lean so hard into the goodness of god let the goodness of god shape our perspective let the goodness of god shape our expectation let the goodness of god shape our responses to everyone around us i'm praying for every person in this room god that you are touching us you're helping us you're revealing this to us. Just for the last moment that we have together, I just want to give an opportunity. Maybe you've never surrendered to Jesus. Maybe you've never actually just said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Uh, I want to pray with you today. I want to help you get started on that journey. Or maybe you're here and you know that you used to be close to the Lord. And maybe there's something that happened. Maybe there's something that just injured your heart, your spirit. And, and it's knocked you off course. Today's your day to come home. Or maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand. But come on, don't miss this moment. You're not gonna have another moment like this moment. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I, I, wanna, I, I wanna surrender to Jesus. I wanna come back to Jesus. I wanna, I wanna make sure I'm right with him. I want you to lift your hand and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Come on, all over this room. Just lift that hand real high. Let me see you. Just make sure that you are completely, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Come on. I'm not asking you to get your act together. I'm asking you to surrender your heart, surrender your life, surrender your soul to Jesus. Is there anybody else? Thank you so much all over the room. Everybody, let's pray this together. This is for those who lifted their hand, but... I love it when we all pray these words together. So everybody say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you in my life as my Lord. I know I've sinned, but I come to the cross where you have paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning as I give my life to Jesus. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen.
Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.